Hello and welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep together in God's Word so that we might live lives of unshakable faith. I'm Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors at Hope Lutheran Church here in Fargo, North Dakota. And today I am fortunate and blessed to be joined by Steph Jordheim. Steph, you are a pastoral intern here at Hope. Welcome to Deeply Rooted. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Hey, we're glad to have you. You just uh, graduated from seminary. Tell me about that. Yes. Oh, it was a long road. Solid almost five years (laughs) of uh, trying to juggle work and family and a master's degree. But I am happy to report that I don't have to do more reports. <laughs> yeah, you, no more reports. Now the other work begins, Yes, right? Well, you've been doing lots of other work along the way, of course. Exciting work. Um, so we are continuing in Genesis, and we've heard the stories of families who have not really had things figured out, um, who were kind of messed up, I think, in lots of ways, fathers and sons and daughters and wives and this whole mix of folks who... Who were broken, uh, but God made a promise to Abraham, and that promise continued despite of the failings of of God's people and the failings of, of families. And today we we come to the story of another family. That family line continues as Jacob has a family with with a son named Joseph, and Joseph's story spans this huge, huge portion of Genesis. It's it's from chapter 37 all the way to chapter 50. So this big mm-hmm. part, and, and we won't be able to read all of that today. We're going to try to cover parts of the story, but folks, I would encourage you to read that story uh, from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50, because I think that, that there's a lot that you can glean as you you read those verses and that story and, and see what God is doing in the midst of, of all of these things and how God's promise can't be stopped. Oh, by, right. By and us. It, when you read it, I mean, it's not going to be boring. There's no shortage of drama <laughs> in these chapters. <laughs> no, no, there is no shortage of drama. That is very true. So today we're going to read a portion of that story, the beginning of that story. We're going to read Genesis 37, uh, verses 1 through 11. Then I'm going to take a little break, skip down actually to verse 23 and read through 36. But before we do that, this is a story where um, Joseph has some trouble with his siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph, wondering, has any of your siblings ever sold you to Midianite merchants? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> no? No. I mean, we had some sibling rivalry, of course, as we were growing up. I have a younger sister, she's two years younger than me. And being that close in age, of course, you know, we had some times where we wanted the same things or we um, or we wore the same things and, like, nobody could wear blue on the same day. You know, I remember, like, little fights before school and stuff like that <laughs> where we'd be like, hey, you can't wear blue to school. I'm wearing blue to school. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose you were in the same school being that close. Yes, yeah, yeah. especially in high school there was that. And then, um, you know, of course, like, the sibling rivalry stuff where I'm going to date myself just a little bit here, but... 
Um, and you probably don't even remember. Do you remember swatch phones? I have no idea what a swatch phone <laughs> is. <laughs> well, back in the day of the landline, <laughs> when you wanted to have a conversation with somebody, you had to actually be connected to a wall, right? Yeah. Well, sometimes you wanted to have a conversation with you and your bestie with somebody on the other end of the line, right? So a swatch phone had the handset, like the thing that you would actually put to your ear, yeah. and then the base that you would hang it up on actually was a phone also so your guys are connected and you uh, both have a place to hear it i mean so it's like a double is, phone yes this is before the age of speaker phone or anything like that it what like it was the coolest thing ever anyways the point is my sister i wanted one of these swatch phones so bad and i had asked my family for them my sister got it for her birthday you didn't i did not did she let you use it Psh, no <laughs> do you so as time has gone on from then to now yeah has your relationship with your sister changed so much yeah so much so that we like decided to build our houses right next to each other and like we are living the dream um she's my best friend and um me and my family are real close uh with her family and yeah that's amazing our kids get to grow up together it's pretty awesome well, if you know, they didn't fight over swatch phones, but if you <laughs> right. go back to Genesis, which I believe is before the time of swatch phones, I only slightly. <laughs> yeah, they they uh, Joseph and his brothers ultimately find uh, some powerful reconciliation, and okay. so that's what we'll see in this story. We'll start uh, with chapter thirty-seven, verse one. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought, them, he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he had made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well, As his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And we move forward now to verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites 
coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornate robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Steph, as you hear that story, what sticks out to you? Here we are with the sibling rivalry again, right? right? It just continues <laughs> just so from much. generation to generation. And it seemed like, too, um, what jumped out to me this time in hearing it was not only the sibling rivalry, but like Joseph, like the favoritism hmm. again. Joseph was Jacob's favorite son, so he didn't just say, "Hey, you're you're my favorite son," and tell him like you know, like our our own kids or whatever. Be like, "Oh, you're you're my favorite firstborn," or right, right. <laughs> "You're my favorite youngest," or something like that. No, he's like, "You're my favorite son. Here, wear a beautiful robe that I'm going to make just for you." So that I mean, oh man, yeah. I can't even imagine being one of the other brothers. I don't. I mean, I don't know that I would go so far as to like sell. No. My sibling, but... Seems extreme. Yeah, it does, right? Um, so, and then, so you see, like, this trail of lies right away. You know, the sibling rivalry, like, oh, let's get rid of him so that we don't have to worry about this jealousy and, um, yeah, then we can be the favorite now. But then we see, like, one brother, Reuben, tries to say save the... save Joseph, and then... Judah tries to save him at one point. Oh, like, well, we don't have to kill him. Let's just sell him. Right. You know? Um, so there's that. Um, but then, so on top of this robe, what was jumping out to me was like, okay, so he's been told he's the favorite. He's been like singled out and given this robe. You're the favorite. And then he has these dreams right. that are like, yep, not only am I the favorite, but you're going to bow down to me someday. What? Like, I can't even... I can't even imagine, especially if the youngest, one of the youngest in the family was telling the oldest kids this. 
yep, you're going to bow down to me. <laughs> Just imagine that, the sassiness of it, right? Yeah, there's that hit me too is just the you know i wonder we don't get it from the the text itself but i wonder you know how did he say that right and i i think one of the things that we see in the narrative of joseph is that he's he's a faithful uh faith a, a, a good model of faith and i think it begins actually with these dreams that 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 come true mm -hmm. these dreams become real and so i wonder if joseph knew that that these were you know was he a, a 17 year old kid saying to his brother hey guess what i had this dream that that <laughs> you guys are actually going to bow down and to me and and be at this point where i'm ruling over you or or is he a 17-year-old that's saying something is profound is happening here? God is speaking through these dreams. And I don't, I don't, oh, I don't yeah. know that we know from the text. Um, the other thing that hit me as I read this is just what you said about this sibling rivalry and the favoritism. And, and didn't one generation learn? Mm. Look what happens. <laughs> when Look at the mess that we cause when we, we have favorites or when we... Uh, are in these rivalries with our families when we mistreat one another. Look at look at how messy it gets. It just seems like that has continued throughout the story. Um, and then the the last thing that I think is is this this story is just so raw. Mm -hmm. The emotion almost jumps off the page as you're reading it. This you know a father who who sees this robe of a son that he so dearly loved mm -hmm. and the sadness. Yeah, it's said a few times, them. like they tore their clothes, and uh, which, yeah, yeah, I don't, I like you get this picture of them just being so just just distraught that they just oh, like tear their clothes. Oh yeah, that you're right, like the rawness of emotion. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's very very real. So what we we've come to kind of a low point here. Mm -hmm. Joseph is sold mm -hmm. into slavery, or not into slavery, but sold to. To the eventually makes it to Egypt to to be in the service of of Potiphar, who is one of Pharaoh's officials. Mm -hmm. That's the end of chapter thirty-seven. Oh boy! Joseph's story ends at chapter fifty. Okay, so we so got some ground what, to what cover. Are, what are some of the what are some of the things that happened to Joseph in between there and the end of his story? Sure. So he is sold to Potiphar, and he's. Uh, He's working for him. But so Potiphar's, and he like is given all sorts of uh, favor. Like he is put in charge of stuff with Potiphar. Um, Potiphar's wife uh, sees this though, and she kind of takes a liking to Joseph, but Joseph will not go to bed with her, basically. Mm. Um, so she tricks, she tricks him, and they have like a little argument. She grabs his cloak and that as he runs away from her, being like, no, I'm not going to sleep with you. And she's like, and then she goes and tells her husband, oh, no, this is his cloak. He did sleep with me. And then Joseph is thrown in prison. Hmm. So thrown in prison for something that he, didn't he did do. not do. Yep. He remained faithful, but, but was still punished for that. Right. So he, yep. So he was thrown in prison. And while he's in prison, again, he's put in charge of things. Um but he was talking to a couple of prisoners and they were trying to interpret their dreams or like they're having these crazy dreams and he interprets them. So like Joseph had had these dreams 
for himself when he was younger and now in prison, other people are having dreams and he's interpreting them. Mm-hmm. Well, eventually those people, well, one of them gets out of prison. The other one is killed <laughs> in a way that he dreamt about that Joseph interpreted, mm. um, told him he was going to be, and those dreams came true. Um, eventually, because of his dream interpretation, he ends up serving Pharaoh. Um, and then again, he's put in charge. He's like Pharaoh's right-hand man. He's put in charge of all of Egypt. And so from prison yes. all the way up to the top. Yes. So, yeah. So again, yeah, you're right. Like you mentioned there's these low lows and these high highs. I, yeah, he's at this high, high point right now. Mm-hmm. And it's because he interpreted this dream for Pharaoh where there was going to be years of famine and then there are years of abundance and then these years of famine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of coaches Pharaoh and the people of Egypt through it. Well, cut to um, Joseph's family is living in the famine. So they need to go to Egypt to talk to Pharaoh and ask for supplies. They need to ask for food. So they end up in front of Joseph because Joseph is the one giving out the food. So Joseph's brothers end up in front of him. And Joseph, you would think like these people, I don't know how I would react in that situation. Like years later, look at like my, look at my position and all of it. I don't know how I would react if that had been my story. But Joseph forgives them. He plays with them a little bit. Like, I'm going to send you home with some silver and you're going to think that you stole um, and you're going to be worried and stuff like that. And then I'm going to send you home, like, uh, bring back your younger brother and now bring back your father and all these things. But he, And Joseph never reveals himself to them. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't, they don't recognize him. Because it's this this story not only spans chapters but, but years. years yeah right so right. Joseph is seventeen at the beginning of this story probably in his thirties yeah I think it um, says in his thirties yeah mm-hmm. Joseph was thirty years old when he entered the service of the Pharaoh uh, king of Egypt which means he spent a lot of time in prison I bet mm. and a lot of time in in Egypt so yes yeah so Can- so Canaan where they're from is a place where they need rain. And yeah. <laughs> without rain, there's famine. Yeah. Uh, Egypt is a place where uh, there is the Nile River and mm. good irrigation and uh, a place where people would go to get food. And especially since Joseph had had these, uh, was able to interpret the dreams of the Pharaoh and they could store up for mm-hmm. these years of scarcity so that they would be in a place of abundance. So what happens ultimately? Where where sure. does the story and how does this, uh, the relationship between Joseph and his brothers and family, uh, how does that end? Right. So um, Joseph eventually reveals himself to his brothers. Um, and then they come to live in Egypt and be under Joseph's care, basically, so that Joseph can uh, spend time with his family, so that Jacob comes uh, Jacob, his father, comes and lives there um, in Egypt. Um, they give him land and uh, livestock and food, and they're they're cared for in Egypt. And he actually gets to be with his dad when he dies. Mm. Um, and 
like the relationship restored. And I'm like, this is, I know it doesn't look like that back in chapter 37, but when you get up to chapter, like towards the end, they talk about how the relationship is restored, you know, because Joseph, Joseph had been forgiving. (laughs) I don't know how, but he forgave them and cared for them. Um, like so much so that um, when Jacob dies, he's talking to his sons and he gives them all blessings. Some of them don't necessarily look like blessings. Like, I don't know if I would want all of them read in. um, You can read about those in chapter 49, but um, through it all, like Joseph had trusted that God would do what is good and right, even through the evil things that his brothers and other humans uh, like Potiphar's wife and, things did to him and it was because of his trust in god Mm -hmm. he was able to forgive his brothers and then they were able to reconcile and um move forward as and then like we know that they become those brothers they all become the 12 tribes of israel um yeah so there's this profound moment and this is in chapter 45 Mm -hmm. this is towards the end of joseph's story um there's a moment where he's in the presence of his brothers, and and they don't know it's him. He knows it's them. Uh, they've been speaking in Hebrew, mm-hmm. and Joseph, for a while, was using a translator with them, and but understanding the words that that they were saying. I think you were saying mm-hmm. uh, that he played with them a little bit, yeah. and that's that's sort of what that amounts to. Um, he he kept himself hidden. But then it comes to a point where he can't anymore. And it says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there, were, so there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Again, that just raw emotion mm-hmm. of how real the experience of life can be when you are in the thick of it. Yeah. But Joseph says... Uh, to his brothers, he he tells them who he is. And then he frames this whole situation, this whole story, this whole narrative of of being sold, of being brought high mm-hmm. uh, in, in the Egyptian, uh, the Pharaoh's house, but then being dropped low into prison and then back up again. Um, he, he frames that whole story, everything that's happened to him, through a lens of faith. And he Mm -hmm. says this, he says, now do not be distressed and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. (laughs) For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And I think it's so interesting that Joseph, by his faith, is able to see the world and his life and the things that happened to him in a positive light. And I don't mean positive as just sort of a, you know, there's a silver lining and everything. What I mean is he was able to see God's movement through the the lows, the highs, and everything in between, and ultimately it brought their family back together. Yeah, I mean, and you think about that, too, where we started with him being in the cistern, right? 
thrown in the cistern, put, sold, put into prison. And you got to wonder, like, when he was in those places, those low lows, mm-hmm. was he was he thinking, oh, it's fine. God's going to work something out of this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't get to we don't get to ponder that with him. Mm-hmm. But like just as a human, when you're in those low lows, how hard it is to be like, no, God's hand is working. But he. I mean, he clearly acknowledges he clearly acknowledges God in it. Like even in the last chapter um, in verse 19 of 50, where we wrap this up um, or in verse 20, it says you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Hmm. And it's there that we see this pattern that's Mm -hmm. happened through all the stories in Genesis of the harm of humanity, Mm -hmm. God using for good. Steph, what do you think is at the heart of this story? <laughs> Redemption. Hmm. Like, no matter what we offer as <laughs> humans, God will redeem it. And and I think, <laughs> I know it's weird to say, like, because we don't always think of it this way, but J- Jesus Jesus is at the heart of this story. Yeah. You know, that's his kind of forgiveness. Like, I could not forgive someone like that as a human. And I don't know that Joseph could either, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you see God working in all the things. And we see, like, redemption, like, redemption style Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, that's amazing to me. Yeah, it's interesting when we look at these stories. You know, we looked last last time at... Or a few times ago, we looked at Isaac, and we mm-hmm. saw how Isaac really points us to Jesus in that uh, Isaac was not sacrificed, but God provided another sacrifice. And and so it is true that God provided a sacrifice mm-hmm. for us in Jesus. And I see also in this story of Joseph how how Jesus is truly at the center, how, how Joseph in his life points to Jesus. Here we have a son, mm-hmm. a favored son, who who goes down to the lowest low and who rises up uh, mm-hmm. more than once. And I think, boy, if that doesn't sound, <laughs> if the story of Joseph uh, who, who goes to the lowest low and, and is raised up so that he could bring salvation to a family and, and a world, mm. uh, that's exactly the story of Jesus who goes to the cross, dies, lays in a tomb for three days so that he can be raised mm-hmm. uh, so that we might find our salvation, hope, and life in him. Amazing how even here at the very beginning of the story, God is pointing us in that direction to his ultimate plan for redemption. There's a moment uh, in in Genesis, we're going back now, Genesis, this is uh, 15, and it's verse 13, when God is talking to Abraham. And he says, uh, it says this, it says, Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years... Your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation that they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. And what God is saying there is, uh, in this promise that I'm giving you, Abraham, there's going to be some diversions. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some uh, some times where you 
you take detours off the path. And there's going to be 400 years where, where your descendants are in a country that's not their own, mm-hmm. which we know to be Egypt. And one of the things that the story of, of Joseph does is it, it actually changes the geography of, of this narrative. It moves us from, uh, we begin with Joseph in Canaan, mm-hmm. and we end in Egypt. And Egypt is this place then where the people of Israel become slaves and, and God's deliverance comes to them in that place. So, so that's where we end. Mm-hmm. Uh, we end the book of Genesis there in Egypt and we will pick up again uh, in the book of Exodus. Folks, I want to thank you for joining us uh, in this Deeply Rooted podcast. We hope to have you back again soon. Mm-hmm.